Star Wars 7x7, episode 851. Today I'm going to start a series of looks at the book Star Wars Complete Locations, and specifically I'm going to be looking at stuff related to The Force Awakens. There are a bunch of new cross-sections in there from The Force Awakens, and we're going to see what kind of secrets they're revealing. Punch it, Chewie. Hey there, this is Tim McMahon, Alan's co-host from the Expanded Comicverse podcast. But hey, you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, a daily Star Wars podcast, seven minutes a day, seven days a week. How awesome is that? Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And this one did not actually come to me from DK Publishing, as a couple of them have previously. No, this one I had a gift card kicking around, and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to get this. I just had to treat myself for it, basically. So Star Wars Complete Locations by DK Publishing came out not too long ago, and it has new content written by Jason Fry for The Force Awakens and a bunch of new stuff from The Force Awakens in there as well. But for today's podcast, we are going to focus on Jack Who and on Ray's ADAT. There are a couple of interesting things to share with it that might shed some light on your experience of The Force Awakens and your experience of the characters as well. Maybe even give you an extra bit of nuance, if you will. And I'll start with the one about which we have less to talk, and that is the two-page spread on Ray's ADAT, which is awesome, and there is a lot to read on it, so don't get me wrong about that. It's more that, as far as Trying to understand the secrets of The Force Awakens, there are only maybe a couple of things that are worth flagging for your attention. Not to say that it's not worth checking out everything, because, you know, if you're the curious type, then you will probably be fascinated by some of the stuff that they have revealed about Rey's Adat and the things she's done to it to make sure that it is a home that suits her well. That being said, one of the things they took time to point out is the fact that when Rey goes to rescue BB-8 from Tito, that it's not just that she's hearing the voice of BB-8 talking and complaining and yelling about being captured and help me this, that, or the other, or whatever BB-8 is saying, but it's particularly the fact that this Tito is impinging on Rey's territory. She actually has a space that is respected by the Tito that they stay out of. And in this particular case, a Tito with his Lugabees rode into what is considered her territory, and she went out to give him the business for getting anywhere within her territory. And it says that if she hadn't done that, then she'd soon have trouble because... You know, once a Tito, I guess, gets his head in the tent, as it were, then, yeah, all heck breaks loose. Now, the other thing, and I swear to you, sometimes I think they just do this to make us crazy, quite honestly, but there's a note about the hammock there that Ray sleeps in, and it says that the hammock was woven by Ray as a child. And I can just imagine people, in fact, you know, I'm not all that far off from it myself, just going, what does it mean? What does it mean? Ugh! I can't even begin to imagine and so I'm just going to have to let it go and so are you <laughs> why that particular detail I don't know but interesting to file away for future reference wouldn't you say in fact it made me consider the possibility that in episode 9 we might be coming back to Jakku I haven't heard anything about filming in Abu Dhabi or anything remotely like it for episode 8 so I'm not thinking that they're coming back for 8 and if they are following any sort of pattern that resembles the original trilogy, then of course they wouldn't come back for episode 8, they would come back for episode 9. But just the fact that it's a hammock that she wove as a child, I don't know, there was something that struck me about that that I thought, Rey has to come back to Jakku, like she just has to do it, it's got to be part of the story. 
Now, the other thing from Complete Locations I want to share with you today is the two-page spread on Jakku. And it's not the whole planet, naturally. It's just the subsection of the planet where we saw the action take place in The Force Awakens. And also tying in a little bit to action that happened off-screen, basically, that we didn't quite get to see. But I think, actually, the uh, Star Wars Force Awakens Lego game picked up on a little bit of this, if I'm not mistaken. Specifically, the route that Poe took to find transport off of Jakku, which led him in the opposite direction from the way Finn went. And it took Poe to a place called Blowback Town. Now, there is something about this in the Force Awakens novelization as well. So do check that out if you are interested. In fact, I think we did talk about it way back when when I was going over the Force Awakens novelization and combing through it for things that were different from the actual movie itself. But here's the thing. There's a note that says the region north of Blowback Town is heavily irradiated. Really? Why is that the case? They don't say, and we know it's not anything to do with the Graveyard of Giants because they show where the Graveyard of Giants is, and that's not the same space that they're talking about. Why on earth is it heavily irradiated? Inquiring minds want to know. And speaking of the Graveyard of Giants, there are actually a couple of references in the map to locations that appeared in Before the Awakening. That was the series of short stories that were collected about Poe and Finn and Rey that came out as part of the journey to The Force Awakens. Though perhaps not too suspicious maybe, or maybe really suspicious, I don't know. This is the official description of Jakku in here. They call it a forlorn world on the edge of settled space. Jakku is a bleak desert globe, notable as the site of the Empire's last stand a year after its defeated Endor. With the battle going against them, Imperial warships used tractor beams to lock onto New Republic foes, dragging them down to the surface. A generation later, these wrecks form the graveyard of ships, picked over by scavengers searching for technology to salvage. Now, here is the part I really want you to pay attention to. Besides scavengers, Jakku is home to religious orders craving solitude, conspiracy theorists peddling wild tales about lost imperial secrets, and desperate beings seeking to start new lives or escape past misdeeds. Now, there were a couple of things in the Aftermath books where that came up. There was one guy who shows up at Nima Outpost who is basically trying to get away from the war and thinks that he has gone to the absolute back end of space so that nothing can find him there. And of course, the war comes in the form of that last stand over Jakku. And as far as lost Imperial secrets goes... Well, we have to go back to Aftermath Life Debt for that as well. That, of course, tells the story in prologue and epilogue of Gallius Rex, who is heading up the fleet for the Empire in that you know troubling time in the first year after the Battle of Endor. And he has been witness to an excavation happening, at least he was when he was younger, that was directed by Yupe Tashu from the original Aftermath, one of Palpatine's advisors. And ultimately, Palpatine ends up connecting with Gallius Rex over what's going on with this site as well. So something is happening for sure that the Empire is doing on Jakku that has nothing to do with the Battle of Jakku. 
And this is where things get interesting because we know Rey from a young age has been on Jakku, but we don't necessarily know where she came from. And it opens up the possibility to consider that she was on Jakku the whole time. Like, we've only had very cryptic tweets from Pablo Hidalgo saying, like, at the time of Bloodline, Rey is already on Jakku, you know. <laughs> you know, she could have been already on Jakku the moment she was born, but... <sighs> I'm beginning to wonder if these lost Imperial secrets, if somehow this has something to do with some experiment that Palpatine was running. We know that Palpatine is certainly willing to experiment with Force users, as we saw in the Darth Vader comic book series, where they basically created artificial Force users, much to the chagrin of Darth Vader. But it's entirely possible that Rey could be a test tube baby. You know, somebody who was created in a lab on Jakku. And, yeah, that would be strange, certainly, but certainly not outside the realm of Star Wars possibility, now would it? And there were these weird creatures that showed up on Star Destroyers after the Battle of Endor. Basically, I guess they were triggered by Palpatine's death to go find Star Destroyer captains, and among the other orders they probably got, they gave him an order to go to Naboo and deploy these crazy climate-changing satellites in orbit that would absolutely create utter devastation, catastrophic climate change in the planet. So even from beyond the grave, Palpatine has reach. And if he knew that he was gone, or if he had laid plans about what would happen after he was gone, one of them would certainly be trashing whatever <laughs> laboratory facility, whatever lost Imperial secrets are hiding out on Jakku, and having the place heavily irradiated so that way nobody wants to go near it for a thousand years. So that is what I wanted to share with you today from Star Wars Complete Locations by DK Publishing. And to indulge in a little bit of conspiracy theory ourselves, I think Ray's coming back in Episode 9 to Jakku, and I'd love to know what you think if she will ever set foot on Jakku again. Chime in at the comments at the blog post for this show's episode at SW7x7.com. Now, I got a trivia question for you, but I've got a break to take care of first, so stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles. Anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you. audibletrial.com SW7X7. All right, welcome back. I've got your trivia situation. Oh, hey, Mon Mothma. What's going on? We have a mission for you. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, let's talk about that after I handle trivia here, all right? Uh, last time I had asked what Rey was trying to do when she accidentally released the Wrath Tars, and that was to drop the blast doors between the gangsters and our heroes. Today's question, what did Rey do wrong that caused the Wrath Tars to be released? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you're forced to use a blaster to defeat a cyborg, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not uncivilized, it's destiny unleashed.
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars. I'm nice and we hope you love it.